Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome. To what that old queen, a candid and adult take on queer life quandaries at a certain age. So listen at your own peril. Presented by Bernie and Tommy, their views are their own. And like a vampire, have no reflection on the platform you're listening on. Now, please let your hairs be upstanding for the old queen. So today, as this is coming out near Halloween, we're going to be all spiritual and talk about hauntings. Yeah. Good that you said spiritual rather than spooky. Yeah. Because the spirit world can be a friendly visitation, I think. Yeah, it doesn't have to be scary. Although, I think people are scared of it because they don't really understand what's The fear of the unknown. Yeah. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. Yes, Exactly. I think humans are more scary than ghosts. There's a lot of scary things going on in the world right now (laughs) that are alive. (laughs) Yes. What are your beliefs behind ghosts and spirits and things like that? Like, I absolutely love all of that. I'm just so fascinated by it and seduced by it that I find it so intriguing. Um, In my show, Haunted Existence, which I'm touring right now, Um, I went to a spiritual medium because I was trying to make contact with people that were involved in a court case that happened in 1953. And I figured a lot of those people had already died. So I used it as a way of fleshing out the material that I gathered from like archives and newspaper articles. So it just added another dimension to my research practice, I suppose. How did you find that? Um, Well, it gave me like... When you're making theatre, I think you folk, you quite often just get hooked on images, like visual images that you want to represent within like a performative way. And the way that the spiritual medium spoke about people and images, it felt like it was unlocking the door to all these different um, moments that I could try and capture um, through the theatre itself. But also just felt like it gave me like loads of ideas that I hadn't really occurred to me. Like she spoke about this man that spoke many different languages. And when I thought about that outside of the seance itself, it automatically connected up to Polari, the gay slang. So I was really interested in like exploring that further as an avenue. Great. And have you ever had any kind of 
ghostly experiences I, yourself? So when I was going out with someone when I was 17, I was lying in bed with my partner and it was like a Saturday afternoon or something and it was a really big Victorian like room with high ceilings and I looked up at the room and I could just see this sort of face looking down at me. It was a sunny day. And it was just this, like, beautiful young man with blonde hair that looked just very kind of Californian and handsome. And I didn't really know what that was, and it was very fleeting. And then I was told later that my boyfriend had this partner that died. And, you know, he looked like a beautiful Californian, blonde, handsome man. Amazing. And... And he himself felt like he had a had a visitation from him that night that he died. Right. Um, and so I felt his presence, and I felt him look at, look down at us and me. And it wasn't scary; it was more like a friendly approval kind of look. So okay. I, ha- I had that sense. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I'm a little bit sensitive to this stuff personally. I think you are as well. Yeah. Well, we both are lovers of the tarot, aren't we? Yeah. And, and interpreting dreams as well. We've yes, shared that. Definitely. You know, I think we, we live in a universe which is, has infinite potential and we don't really know how it works. And so mm. there's, there's lots of things which are unknown. Yeah. And just accepting that there are those of unknowables actually is quite comforting. Yeah. And being open to, mm. to it as well. And I think science is actually catching up with it. I mean, even, you know, with quantum physics they said that the the universe is weird it doesn't work the way we perceive it works and and energy never dies so the energy of a person just transforms into something else i think doesn't Mm. disappear Mm. so that's kind of what i'm open to but i've done a little bit of research because it's interesting that your ghost story was about a handsome man because there's a, there's a few kind of gay ghost stories out there, and some of them are a bit naughty. Great. <laughs> so, I came across a book in my research, and it's called Queer Hauntings, True Tales of Gay and Lesbian Ghosts. How old is this book? It's, it's not very old at all, and it's uh, written by a guy called Ken Summers. And it's an interesting, it's got an interesting introduction because he describes this story where he went back to his hometown in the hope to catch up with an old flame. And uh, he was in a bar where they both went together and then he felt a presence and it felt like his old flame. And then he suddenly found out from the barman that the um, the guy had committed suicide only okay. a few months before. And because of this experience that he had, that's what led him to do all this research into gay and lesbian hauntings mm. and ghosts. But it is really interesting because the first half of the book is set in America. It's, it's an American author. But practically the whole of the second half is in England. So what does he do? He travels over or he well, he's, or, he's, or just finds that there's more... Well, he's done all this research to find out these gay ghost stories. And obviously, I think we're a bit of a... We must be a bit of a hotbed in this country <laughs> of, of ghosts. <laughs> but I wonder, like, something around the feeling that often LGBTQ people might be sort of feel like outsiders within a kind of mainstream community. And that might then 
when they pass, maybe lead them into more of a a ghostly existence. Existence, yeah, wow, yeah. I wonder if anyone's done any research about the kind of like percentages of ghosts and what their <laughs> what their sexuality was. Yeah. Well, one of the first things I came across when I started researching this, we'll come back to the book in a minute, was a story from earlier this year saying that Simon Cowell's new £15 million mansion is haunted by the ghost of Antonus, the gay lover of Roman Emperor Hadrian. Mm. Apparently the previous owner brought in a statue statue Mm. of Antonus and unleashed his spirit into the house. I'm I'm guessing that Antonus didn't like the move. (laughs) Didn't approve. (laughs) Or maybe he really liked it. Yeah, I just thought, well, yeah, I might as well be here rather than in a room. museum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this might be more fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, wouldn't mind a... being a fly on the wall in Simon Cowell's house. I mean, it's going to be. But a... I don't want to take up permanent residence there. It's a luxury house, though, isn't it? If it's fifteen million pounds, I know, but you're probably not really like enjoying all of its aspects if you're just on on a plinth somewhere. Yeah, the... but it's his spirit; he can go anywhere he likes. That's true. Yeah. And be a bit naughty, as in some of these stories. Um, yeah, I mean, wonder if that ghost just like, likes to push down his pyjama trousers while he's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are tales of that. I wasn't meaning that sexually, actually. I um, meant that just because Simon wears his <laughs> trousers so high up. <laughs> no, absolutely right. But maybe, like... I mean, who knows if he wears PJs or not. But in East Dereham in England, there is a story where young male waiters in recent years have found an invisible force tugging at the zipper of their pants while gathering supplies in the dry storage room. (laughs) That's a bit naughty. During an investigation conducted by the British Paranormal Team, for the magazine Paranormal Norfolk. Have you read it? No, Paranormal. but I think Norfolk is a hotbed. I think it must be yeah. <laughs> of everything. Yeah. Um, a clairvoyant medium felt a tug on his belt in the same location. Uh, he sensed what he described as a female presence in the adjacent laundry area. But when they went into the laundry area uh, the following morning... The mediums were shown an old photograph of bakery staff members at the inn and one pointed out the individual entity felt by staff and ghost hunters, except it wasn't a woman. It had been a past male employee. No one knows the exact identity of the mysterious young man lingering in close proximity to the long-extinguished brick ovens, yet he seems to maintain his fondness for young men. (laughs) I wonder how he died. Like, wonder whether he was just locked. He locked himself accidentally in the storeroom, and that's why he's forever present there. I don't know. It concludes by saying, while guests and staff may not feel threatened by their gay ghost, they are ever mindful of his presence. Paranormal activity in the inn has been become second nature. Dead eyes retain their lustfulness and curiosity. After all, deceased men are only human too. (laughs) What do you think about naughty ghosts? Well, I think that's part of the whole package of being a ghost, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, I I imagine it's a little bit boring being a ghost. Don't you? I imagine you, you need to get up to some mischief. Yeah, that's why you would. 
I certainly would be a bit naughty. <laughs> well, I d- I've lived in a couple of haunted houses and I've had some weird experiences, but one in particular was very haunted and there was a lot of activity. I mean, I literally saw cushions lift up. I saw balls of light going across the room. The electrics would go funny. Um, I'd have... Do you think it was a ghost that was particularly sensitive to soft furnishings? <laughs> Maybe he. this was a gay ghost as yeah, well. because they are, aren't they, the gays? Well, it, uh, the building was uh, part of a building called the Charlie Boxes where they used to um, lock up drunks in yoldy Bristolian times. And I would wake up in the middle of the night with the television set on after I'd switched it off and the volume going up and up and up like countless times and I'd be looking around to see if I'm lying on the remote and the remote would be on the other side of the room you hadn't just said Alexa <laughs> this was the, this was last century this is before the days of Alexa <laughs> so uh, and in the end I just had to have a word with it and say can you stop messing around because uh, I'm aware that you're here but you, and so you don't have to try and get my attention mm. and he stopped but I did have a dream when I was in... Because uh, my bed used to be actually in one of the cells. And in this dream, I was I was in the cell with one of the convicted criminals mm. uh, who told me that he died in the cell. Instead of me getting all the gossip about how he died, I was like, oh, so you can tell me how, what happens after you die. <laughs> and started asking him all these questions about that. And he was answering, but I couldn't understand a word he was saying. Why? Because he was speaking... It was like he was talking a different language. Okay. So, was it in Polari? It might, maybe it was in Polari, or maybe he was foreign. Who knows? But there are uh, some other other stories. There's uh, a tale of a house in London called a Molly House. Yeah, have you heard that term before? Yeah, I, I know a little bit about Molly houses, right. like kind of coffee stroke gin places where a lot of gay men would frequent and they would do almost like a like a christening of themselves they would like yes yeah, they, they used to out in the back rooms they'd make uh, up a doll or replicate births and, yeah. and things like that so fields lane is a narrow stretch of dilapidated dwellings and businesses north of the thames river This street was a veritable playground of society's undesirables. Even in the 1830s, Charles Dickens described it as an emporium of petty larceny. It was no different in 1724. In that year, or thereabouts, a new social place took up residence beside the Bunch of Grapes pub. It was run by a woman known as Margaret Clapp, Mm. who turned her private home into what became known as a molly house. Molly House was then a generalised term for a tavern serving homosexual clientele. Margaret, known as Mother, move over RuPaul, to her guests, <laughs> was a staunch ally to her queer patrons, defending many gay friends as far as the courtroom, if necessary, to save them from convictions of sodomy punishable by death. Um, so each night her walls would echo with a chorus of spirited voices between 40 and 50 men, on average, were welcomed in, offering wine and liquor and engaging in every sort of behaviour and debauchery imaginable. Both masculine and feminine pranced side by side, calling each other Molly and Mary, as well as a variety of other feminine names. 
they kissed and fondled each other. I mean, those sorts of stories, I think, are like, you can see versions of that. Like, certainly I've done, like, loads of research in terms of, like, Bristol life in the 1950s. And, yeah, specifically, there's lots of stories around, like, the, the kind of strong matriarchal woman that looks after... Like, there was one story about this bar in the 1950s that a lot of the gay men would go and she would call everyone her chickens and she'd look after everyone. But we, were talk- we talked about that in the last episode, about how there was a kind of excitement around gay culture being behind closed doors mm. and underground and being a bit subservient, in a mm. way, because it was against the law. I mean, some of these... I mean, these guys, if they were caught were put to death Mm. just for being gay. Yeah, yeah. And not really hurting anybody else. Yeah. And that's where the ghost story of this comes from. Uh, Apparently there were some undercover policemen that went into the Molly house, and then it got raided. And a total of 40 gay men were arrested one night. Several were released and forced into hiding. Three were sentenced to prison terms, one of whom died behind bars. One given a reprieve, the other acquitted. A conviction of sodomy sealed the fate of three other men, their bodies ha- sorry, hanged by the neck from ropes at Tyburn. Mm-hmm. Mother Clapp herself was brought before the court and convicted of keeping a disorderly house. She was fined 20 marks and sentenced to stand in the stocks at the nearby Smithfield Market prior to two years of imprisonment. They don't know what happened to her after that. I mean, being in the stocks was, like, pretty horrific. They yeah. would, like, throw big stones and boulders at you. It was, it wouldn't, it's not just, like, rotten fruit. It's, like... It's almost like a public stoning, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it sounds horrific. So the construction of the Holborn Viaduct between 1863 and 1869 obliterated Fields Lane, so where it was is now gone. But there have been tales of people seeing apparitions running in this area Mm -hmm. in period garb obviously running away from being caught in this raid on the molly house i went to um the tyburn there's there's the tyburn monastery or where the nuns go yeah yeah and i went specifically because there's apparently there's this nun that does this really interesting talk about the stonings and the and the hangings that would happen at tyburn and she delivers the talk with such like girlish glee around like talking about these th- these awful incidents. Yeah, that it's just like imagine it's, it's cool. like just to just to watch a nun giggling. talk gleefully, gleefully <laughs> yeah, about so execution. Far, funny, it's just so <laughs> odd that we just had to go. Yeah, she sounds like a character. <laughs> Anyway, this, this book, I recommend this book if you like a spooky tale or two. Um, there's a tale from uh, the Queen's Theatre in London um, about John Gilgood haunting it, but also a, a former manager who was also of uh, gay persuasion by the sounds of it. Um, there's a changing room where some of the ushers go in to get changed and they sense a presence watching them. <laughs> This is in the in the theatre. This is in the Queen's Theatre in yeah. London. I mean, I'm I'm because of what I do. I'm so fascinated with theatres, and you know, because of the the people that inhabit them. And I just feel like you give yourself, you give so much of yourself when you work in a theatre that 
there's got to be some, like you were saying earlier on, like there's got to be some essences of you well, that I... are left in that building, like such as such strong energies and emotions that were imbued, like that story about John Gil- Gilgood coming out after he'd been accused of sodomy, and I think he'd spent some time in a police cell, but yeah, he and was then, convicted. Of, yeah, yeah, and then he came out and did his performance, and I. And he sort of came out and he was so unsure what the, what was going to happen. And then the audience were just applauding him as he walked on stage. And that energy must have just been electric, that part of that energy has to stay, has to go somewhere or stay somewhere. Yeah, I mean, personally, I feel like there's two types of hauntings. I think there's somewhere there is an active spirit who's haunting a place and maybe causing a bit of mi- mischief. And a bit like the Holborn one, I think there are places which I've, which kind of record a moment in time and replay it mm-hmm. um, because of the energies were so strong when it happened. Like it's like it's still trying to process it or something. Yeah, almost, or like it's just a skip in the groove of time, yeah. and occasionally it, it like comes a record out. stuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of these people, you know, where where battles have happened or a murder has happened or something like these people being caught in a molly house and then half of them, you know, being hung, um, the energy and fear is so great that it, mm. the, the the area around it records that episode yeah, and I plays mean, it. Those things are... They're all they're they're almost physical. They're almost tangible. Like when I did the séance, the air felt really thick. You could mm. feel it. Like, yeah, it's part of the same thing. I think. Yes, um, it's, it's so interesting. Mm. Um, I think we should do more programs on this. Yeah, we potentially can interview a medium. Yeah, so we should do that one time. Yeah. I think. And as winter comes, I think. Our minds turn to those things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we are going to get a bit more spooky. Um, I've got a little app Mm. on my phone. It's like a ghost hunting app. Oh, yeah. And um, I think I've heard about that. Have you? Yeah. So um, it detects the room for ghosts and then tells you... Um, It's called Ghostcom Radar... It's a bit spooky. You can hear it on the on the microphone. And um, I want to see if there's any ghosts present <laughs> in our loads. recording. So, and it, it also brings up words, and it tells you what type of ghost mm. it might be. And so, shall we? Yeah, you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, it's spinning. You so, have that up your sleeve. You're so clever. <laughs> I know. It's almost like I've thought about this. <laughs> Oh, it's detected a presence. It's like the, it's like American Horror Story at the beginning. It is. <gasps> it's receiving a message. Oh, it's all gone quiet. It's my refrigerator. It needs to be repaired. <gasps> it's a child, apparently. The status is relaxed, though. Okay. Oh. Right, so these words come up, and they're a bit mm. jangled, but we, we might be able to make a sentence out of it. Mm. So it's come up with, Marriott own meeting a thing, keep do your lookout. D- 
Marriott Hotel's not far from here, is it? Yeah, but do you think it just connects up with what's happening on Google Maps? <laughs> I thought it was going to say something about sugar, Did because you? we are in the old refinery. Well, should we do it again and see if it does? Okay. <laughs> let's let's see, see what happens. I mean, it'd be interesting if it did come up with something about the sugar house. Ooh. Presence is detected. Oh, is that a percentage? Oh, it just tells you where. So it's over, over there. there. It gives you a degree of mm. within a circle of where the spirit is. Well, that's where my Isabella Blow book is. Oh. And I do have a ghost story about Isabella Blow, if we've got time. Okay. (laughs) Oh, the the message is complicated about life. It clear is Aditya. I wonder if that's the name of the spirit. It sounds quite a Victorian name. Aditya. We might have to. I might have to do some research into this and talk about it next mm. episode. It's interesting these apps because what um, I co-wrote, produced, and starred in a film available on Amazon Prime called Dark Vision, um, <laughs> and we did a lot of. I did a lot of research into horror films and and spirits and things like that, and these apps. And we actually have an app in the. We produced a little app ourselves for the film, like a ghost hunting app. I think it's quite clever, but it is probably a bit of a con, isn't it? It probably is just tapping into the internet. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe it is a way of the spirits to communicate. Can I just tell you my Isabella Blow quick, Of course. Re- real quick story. Yeah. So once when I was in London, I was quite bored. It was actually my birthday and everyone had gone to bed and it was only midnight and I wanted something to do. So I went on Grinder, Right. And I started talking to this man who turned out to be... Um, do you know who Isabella Blow is? I don't so know. So that kind yeah. of like... She was like the muse of um, Alexander McQueen and um, Philip Tracy with the hats. Yeah. Um, just an amazing fashion icon. Um, who sadly committed suicide in her shed. Oh, wow. um, and I ended up going... Talk, this guy that I ended up talking to on Grinder uh, turned out to be Isabella Blow's ex-husband's brother. So I went to his flat and we started talking and he was just the most eccentric kind of like... You could like really posh aristocratic kind of vibe going off on him. And he was like, I... I um, do the da- dowsing. Yeah, dowsing. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. And so he was like, I want to s- start talking to some people. So we did that. Like, wow. it was like one o'clock in the morning or something. We're having conversations with Isabella. And then, I, and then he was like, Do you want to talk to anyone? And I was like, Well, I'd like to talk to my Auntie Rita, who only lives just down, or only lived a bit down the road. Mm. So. So he dialed her up. Yeah, dialed her up. Yeah. Had a little she chat. said she was fine. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, I'm not, I'm being tortured in purgatory. Yeah. <laughs> I like it when ghosts say they're fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she was always fine as a person. So, um, mm. yeah. It yeah. carried on being fine for her. <laughs> exactly. Well, we might touch a little bit more on 
the spirit world. Yeah, the same uh, later on, yeah. and also in other episodes. Um, we're going to take a little break there, but we'll be back after this. Yeah. Um, so we're back with our feature snack out of it and it's still about energy yeah so what I've I've got for you today I'd like you to suck on my balls what I thought you'd never ask (laughs) (laughs) and what I mean you've been coming round here (laughs) with your big microphone (laughs) which apparently gets bigger every time yeah (laughs) must be the Viagra Uh, I mean my energy balls Tom okay so these are by Herbology. They're organic, raw, vegan, gluten-free, and have no refined sugar in them. I guess you just pop them when you need a bit of a bit more energy. So shall we try? Has it got some kind of flavour? Well, I don't know. So there's two. I've got two flavours here. Mm. One is nopal n- cactus. Oh. And the other one is aronia berry. Okay. Or erroneous berry, as I like to call it. <laughs> Which one would you like to try first? I think the cactus. Cactus. Yeah, I quite. I like the idea of eating cactus. Um, and I'm not keen on the needles. No, I mean, yeah, obviously, process. But <laughs> okay, take one of my balls. <laughs> we just stuck together. Hmm. <laughs> Do you like that? Well, I think I kind of do. It's quite... It is sweet, even though there's no sugar in it. Mm. It's dry. It's a little bit dry. Mm. Do you like dry or wet? Oh, oh. I don't... <laughs> I mean, it depends. Mm. I think we might have had this conversation before. I think I'm more of a wet person. Mm, and I think I'm dry. You're more of a dry yeah. person. I'm t- Does this qualify as my dinner, do you think? Because I don't know when I'm going to get dinner. Well, I think I'm on the might- road now after this. Um, well, we've got another one. Okay. Well, then, yeah. Sorry, I should have brought some crickets with me as well. So this is the erroneous berry. Do you feel energised after that? No. I never feel energised. <laughs> um, have you ever had these before? I've had energy balls at festivals that have been made by um, some festival, well-meaning festival goer that's trying to make sure everyone's all right. Right. I guess it's a little, maybe maybe it takes a bit of time to work and it's a little Ooh, pick you up. Oh. Ooh, what what that that feels like it's got a bit of toilet paper in it. Or a nutshell. Has that got a nutshell in it? I think it might have the peps of the erroneous oh, yeah. still in it. I think these are these are good for you. I'm going to look up the Nepal cactus. I don't know how they are, how good they are when they're washed down with a bottle of wine. 
Everything has to be washed down with a bottle of wine. Nopal is the common name in Spanish for prickly... Oh, prickly pear cactus. Can be eaten. Can be eaten. <laughs> well, now you tell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a common ingredient in foods in some regions of Mexico. Purported benefits of the fresh nopal juice include lowering blood sugar, healing wounds, lowering cholesterol, although studies are saying that its uh, ability to treat or prevent disease is limited. Uh, but they have confirmed it as an antioxidant and anti-inflammatory. Oh, we like that. What about the erroneous berry? I don't think I can finish that erroneous berry. I think it's quite disgusting. Each to their own. <laughs> what did you think? No, I didn't really like it, but I just, I just get what I'm given and be grateful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I preferred the cactus. Mm. Aronia berries contain higher levels of antioxidants. Studies have shown that antioxidants help reduce the risk of cancer, heart disease, inflammation, diabetes, bacterial infections, and neurological diseases in humans. So these are better for you, but taste worse, typical, Mm. than the Nepal cactus. Isn't that always the way? I know. Such is life. Mm. Such is life. Anyway, snack out of it. We're going to do a very short kinky blink because we were... um, a lot of the show has been given over to the spirits today. That's true, yeah. Um, They've taken over. And I do have some questions for yeah. us. And what what I decided to do today with the Kinky Blink is um, to talk about puppies, because we talk about puppies a lot, but we haven't actually described what what they are. Well, I'm still trying to work it out. Well, some people don't know. Well, yeah, exactly, precisely. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, we know there's pup masks and things like that. Yeah. And actually, um, there's quite a few pups on Twitter that seem to post quite explicit content. Can you do that on Twitter? Yes. And um, so a sex puppy is a very sexy person who does nothing all day but follow around his or her master in a sexual manner, always happy for intercourse. So a lot of these, a lot of these um, accounts on Twitter hmm. is puppies having or playing with each other in a sexual way. So pup, puppies, puppies and puppies are, are are fine together. Apparently, they play so. together. Yeah, but there's, there seems to be one more dominant puppy than the other. Yeah. So one puppy is being played with a lot yeah. by the other one. Sounds cute. It. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of cute. I mean, I have to say I'm slightly fascinated by it. <laughs> and the little puppy master, they little, make little puppy noises and mm. have tails. And um, Does, Do they grow up to be bitches and dogs? dogs? Uh, I or don't do know. they just forever remain young? I, th- I mean, traditionally pups are younger guys, aren't mm. they? I think they grow up to be a daddy or a master. Yeah. Maybe. It's quite frustrating, though, if you're, you know, just happy in that role. Well, I'm sure you can stay in that role for as long as you like. You've got a pup mask on. Yeah. Nobody can see your crow's feet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What do you feel about masks in, like, the sexual world? I I don't... 
I don't know what I think. Thanks for asking me that question. <laughs> I think, like, I, I'll, sometimes I like to have sex in the dark. Mm. That could be a version of a mask. I think you're right. And I think, um, I think it, it's a bit like when you dress up for any kind of kink. It allows you to be something other than yourself. So perhaps it lowers your inhibitions and mm. allows you to... There's actually a lot of Donald Trump pornography, isn't there, going around <laughs> with people in Donald Trump masks. Yes. My friend has done a, a project around that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm not up for that. No, nor me. No. <laughs> I think that would be a bit of a turn. But isn't it probably about humiliation and that sort of thing? Humiliation, yeah, um, yeah. But I think, uh, but I think the act of wearing a mask itself mm. is quite um, empowering in a way because you can be something, somebody else entirely, yeah, and allow yourself to be that, yeah. Um, in a way, I think dating apps are a bit of a mask. No, that's profound. Because it's not really real. You're presenting something which you think somebody else wants. Mm. Uh, and, and the very icon itself is a mask. So That's true. Yeah. And it's quite sinister. It is quite a sinister mask, but yeah, yeah a mask nonetheless. Mm. So anyway, on that profound note... Uh, I'm gonna I wish be... I could have filmed you say that. <laughs> Why does I look? Did I look profound? Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> um, so we've uh, we've had a couple of questions in. Mm-hmm. Now, for the listeners, we record these episodes in advance, so we're on episode four now. But episode one has literally just aired just over a week ago, um, and we've had some very good feedback. So thank you, everyone who's listened. Please like, share, subscribe, keep listening. Um, Go to our website. Uh, You can buy a T-shirt to help us fund our podcast or join our Patreon account, if you so wish. Um, But, yeah, I do... We we have had a couple of questions from from listeners now, not just, um, like, random shout-outs. And um, this one is from a good Christian in Berlin. And... um, and it's quite apt. Um, if you were a queer ghost, who would you haunt throughout eternity? It's not really a problem, is it? It's not a problem. It's <laughs> just, just asking, it's asking a question. They don't yeah. have to be problems. Um, have you got any ideas? I mean, you've... Well, I've got two ideas. I think it would either be someone that I... I didn't like, and I could just make their life living hell. Not that I'm down for revenge or condone any such acts. Or um, it'd be someone I really fancied, and I'd just like to carry on. Mm. To be honest, I mean, I was being quite frivolous there. I don't think I'd haunt anyone for revenge. I don't really tend to hold drug uh, drugs. Drug addictions. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really tend... Um, (laughs) I don't really... (laughs) Tend to hold um, grudges. Freudian <laughs> 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 slip. And um, 
And I, I, I don't think I want to haunt, haunt anyone for eternity. I, I would prefer it if I just moved on to the other phase, whatever yeah. that may be. I suppose that thing I'm having real problems with in my life at the moment is the building work that goes on and the level of noise and the kind of relentlessness of that, mm. which feels like they're haunting me because the building work just carries on. Yeah. And I don't think... I think they all go back to, you know, somewhere in suburbia right. and live their quiet lives in the evenings. Oh, totally. And in their big houses. And I wouldn't mind... Um, just like waking them up with a piercing noise. <laughs> or a poke or a jab. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it was some water falling on them or something. Any of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so I have some more questions. I have some problem questions. Okay. Because I think that's what you're after, isn't it? That's mm. what you want to go back to. Yeah, um, I'm sort of interested in carving a role for myself as an agony aunt. Well, I think we both are. <laughs> I mean, and obviously we're having... And this people, is the platform for this it. This is the platform for this. Um, I think we're going to get a book out of this, at least. <laughs> um, I have a couple. These are a couple of firsts, actually. So, dear old queens, after listening to your show, I've decided to dip my toe into the world of kink. And I'm heading off to my first fetish night. But I'm in a quandary as what to wear. Do I take the easy route and go sports kit or go the extra mile and get harnesses, masks, pleather, leather or rubber? And that's from willing to be your sex slave in Barnstaple. <laughs> what do you think? Pleather, I would say. Pleather for your first kink. Well, I guess pleather's a little bit cheaper if you want to go for the whole leather look. I just like the word. Yeah. <laughs> it rhymes with pleasure, doesn't yeah. it? So it's yeah. Pleasure of pleather. <laughs> what would you do? Or what did you do for your first kink night? I, would, I wouldn't do sports kit. I would just do a leather pencil skirt. Oh. I mean, it's classic. Yeah. What about the whole harness thing, would you? Um, I would like to do that i've not got a harness i like a harness i've got a harness i actually we both went to no, it wasn't exactly a fetish night but it was like a fetish themed party mm. run by horseplay in bristol a few years ago. oh yes and i wore a cock ring on my mouth you did um and there's some rather charming photos of us in the toilet and mm. facebook uh, and I remember, because I'd never actually played with that kind of look mm. before, and I, and I bought some pleather stuff from eBay. And was it, that gateway? It was a bit, because I remember the first time I... So the harness came through, and it had little like armbands as well. And I had these pleather kind of trousers and a hat and dark glasses and a... I sort of tried it out in my bedroom beforehand. And I suddenly looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, oh my God. Mm. I felt so powerful. Mm. I felt very sexual. Mm. I didn't feel like me, but I also felt very powerful. Mm. And that is quite intoxicating, I think. Mm. And I remember when, when we went to the night, I was quite, I felt a little bit shy about taking my coat off. But then once everyone was doing it, mm. it was fine. 
and it was a it was a remarkable night because I think pretty much everyone but one person mm. actually dressed up mm. in in kind of fetish gear. It felt mm. like you were in some New York leather bar mm. in the nineteen seventies, mm. and it was great fun. It was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. So so there's your answer. I think go pleather and uh, get used to that power, baby. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got another one. Uh, final one, because we're, we're running out of time. Dear old Queens, I love a bearded tattooed guy. They really turn me on. So I've grown a beard, and now I'm picking my first tattoo. What are your suggestions as to what I should have and where? And that's from a not-so-painted wagon in Texas. What do you reckon? I don't have any tattoos. I've got lots. Right, okay. So... I don't personally feel like you should get too hung up on on tattoos that have, like, a personal meaning. Right. Like, I think that's a sort of, like... I feel a bit of a red herring when you're, like, choosing tattoos. Like, don't have someone's name in Chinese writing mm. tattooed on you. Right. In my opinion, it doesn't really... <laughs> Is it a bit tacky? Well, it's not that it's tacky. I just feel like... Because the way it, the way that you look at your own body with a tattoo on completely changes, so it just becomes part of your body. Right. So I think you just need to look at your body and find the space that you think it sits best. Right. Because I've got quite a... I mean, I'm very slim, but I have got quite broad shoulders and, and quite a lot of space there this sort of chest piece sits quite well for me there. Right. I basically looked at it as something to wear. Right, so it's another accessory. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. But it's actually part of your body. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm not adverse to having a tattoo. And I think when I was younger, I wanted one, but I couldn't decide what to have. And I was always worried that I'd get bored with it. Mm. But as I'm, I'm 50 in a matter of minutes... Um, I guess I've got less life to be bored of it. <laughs> so. well, that's what I mean by it feels like if you look at your body and place and place something on it, it just become it just basically becomes part of your body. So you wouldn't go, oh, I'm actually bored of this nipple now, yeah, because it's just part of you. It's part of you, right? Yeah. Oh, I, I like the way you look mm. at that. Yeah. Well, I've been thinking about it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so. So there's your answer, kind of. I mean, it's not a definitive answer, but it's pointing you in the right direction, I would say. Um, talking of spirits and um, ghosts, mm. what do you think about ghosting people? Um, so ghosting is when, uh, so you've been going out with someone, or and then the, and then they don't. They just don't respond. Yeah, or maybe you've mm. been chatting to someone on the apps and then all yeah. of a sudden they don't respond to you. Yeah, I yeah, have had that. And it's always quite confusing um, because you feel like often I felt like... You said the wrong thing. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't know what... I don't, you know. I don't think you should think of it like that. I think it's, it's more to do with them than it is to mm. do with you. I mean, you don't know their situation. So no, there might be could... stuff going on in their lives. Yeah. Uh, um, they might be busy. Um also, maybe the conversation's just fizzled out. Mm. But it's interesting that it's called ghosting. Mm. And it's our spooky episode. Mm. Anyway, I think... What about teabagging? <laughs> <laughs> Is that spooky? 
guess it depends how you do it. Have you ever done teabagging? I guess I have in certain situations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Happens all the time. <laughs> anyway, on that note, um, we've come to the end of our show. Um, well, that was fun. And uh, we will see you next time for perhaps more spooky delights mm. on What That Old Queen. Say goodbye to me. Goodbye, Tommy. Goodbye. See you next time. <laughs> you have been listening to What That Old Queen. This episode was produced by Bernie Hodges for Inimitable in October 2019. To contact the old queen, please email hello at thatoldqueen.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 